Hey, everybody, Jacob here from the Formula Drift podcast. We have an awesome deal for you. So if you head over to shopfd.com and use coupon code podcast23, you're going to save 20% on any merch. So anything you can find on that website, use podcast23 at shopfd.com. Save yourself 20%. Hats, shirts, lanyards, whatever. Just use the code. Save yourself some money. So why not? You know, don't, don't stop listening. Wait till the show's done. But then head over, shopfd.com. Use podcast 23. We'll see you guys out there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outer Zone, the official podcast of Formula Drift. My name is Jacob Gettins, and we've got Andy Haitley. How do, how do you pronounce your name correctly? Because I've heard like three to four variations. It is Haitley. We are the number one hater. We got invited to the Haters Ball on Chappelle show back in the day. You know, and, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> okay. who we are. So it's it is, Haitley. It is Hate Lee. Like as exactly. in, okay, not Hatley, yeah, like, like Bruce Lee, but Hatley. Right, right. Not Hatley, <laughs> not Heatley, Hatley. No, no, Hatley okay. is the is the number one. And also people always miss the I that's between the L and the E at the end of the name. Like even the, the FD guys that spray paint the name on the ground sometimes miss that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know who it preps happens. those spots, actually. Now that I'm thinking about don't it, I'm not sure who does it. Doesn't bother me. It bothers my dad. He gets real mad about it. For some oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I spelled the name wrong. It's funny. You and I both have names that are like traditionally spelled incorrectly because people like to add a G to the end of my name where they're like G-E-T-T-I-N-G-S. And I'm like, no, it's just I-N-S. Like there's no Mm -hmm. additional letters. Like, I don't know why you're putting that in there. You're doing more work. (laughs) You know. Ah, that's all good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you've got your head covering on um, as as Mm -hmm. I adorn a toque and you Mm -hmm. a beanie. Mm-hmm. I, I know you are a big fan of headwear. Um, from all the classic headwear that you've worn, what is your favorite? Uh, and I'm going to put this down between the cone, the chicken hat, or the very large Texas foam cowboy hat. Uh, well, the chicken hat actually wasn't a hat. It was a uh, an Easter basket that my mom gave to me. I just oh. used it as a hat. Okay. But the chicken hat was, was an awesome one. Um, honestly, the cone has been the best so far, I think. Uh feels most natural to me. You know, I feel like I'm in my, my happy place, you know, when I put the cone on. <laughs> do you, and, do you, uh, does it just fit? Like your head just happens to fit perfectly with that cone? N- no, we had to slit the back of it actually. So it would fit properly and not like press down on my, my forehead. So. Ah, yeah. gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, we're going to put a chin strap on it eventually, you know, so no one can seal it. That's not a bad idea. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> much of a worry that is, but I, I, I'm glad you're planning ahead. Yeah. How, how did the, how did the drift wizard come to be? Um, I mean, I am full of dumb ideas, to be honest. <laughs> it's just kind of who I am. Um, I've always been making uh, dumb videos for a long time. I just haven't had like the full confidence to kind of like step out and do a bunch of really dumb stuff and uh, came up with that idea and actually a few other ideas that uh, that we threw at the wall. And that's just the one that kind of stuck. Um, hmm. And um yeah, it was just sort of me stepping out of my comfort zone into sort of showing who my real creative self is, essentially. And I'm a, I'm a weird guy who likes making weird videos that make people laugh. And um, yeah, that just it makes me happy to hear people come up and say, hey, I really love your videos, you know, and it makes me laugh or telling, you know, having friends text me, you know, like I was dying at this or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, it feels good to make people happy, you know, and that's kind of my way of, uh, of doing that. Yeah, it's super tough to like try and genuinely express yourself it's weird because like i feel mm-hmm. like as a kid you can do it like i've got my oldest is 10 um mm-hmm. 
I, I feel like at that age, it's fine. And then once you get a bit above that, it becomes like kind of shunned. But then through your teenage years, like, I don't know about yeah. you, but like I had a giant green mohawk. Like I kind of did it a bit more. And then into my 20s, I stopped. And now I've like craved it again. Where I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm now in my early 30s. So I'm kind of like, do I like, what do I do? Like, do I go back to the big mohawk? Like, I feel like the toque <laughs> has kind of like become my surrogate for the for the giant green mohawk. Yeah, I mean, best advice I can give is just you do you, man. Just do what what makes you happy and do what makes you laugh. I mean, I can't tell you how much fun I have even editing this stuff. I'm cracking up behind my computer putting all this stuff together. I probably get the most laughs out of of anybody. (laughs) So um, I just I truly enjoy it. It's just it's fun to me. And um, I've been, you know, making videos since I was probably, let's see, 13 years old with uh, with this little guy right here my sony handycam oh, that nice. I got for shooting skate videos back then um no flip out screen high eight or this isn't even high eight this is uh the old uh just original eight tapes i have a high eight camera somewhere around here my, my bx 2000 but oh you nice. know i've been doing this stuff for a long time and i used to upload that to my mom's computer with a firewire and yep um we got final cut pro on the college deal because one of my sister's friends was already in college so we got the, the cheap deal on that and I was, uh, you know, editing up my skate videos at a really young age and I really enjoyed, you know, compiling stuff together and learning the flow of the timeline and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just become something that, that I enjoy doing and I'm fortunate that I enjoy doing that and that, you know, what I do right now is, is very, um, uh, it's just necessary. You have to have, you know, edited content flowing yeah. out or, uh, or you're just not doing it right. So, um, yeah, that's the yeah. biggest, the biggest, I, I feel like a, broken record talking about it all the time but like it's the biggest thing that that a lot of young drivers are missing right now is is the content part of it like nobody nobody knows who they are yeah and uh, i mean i think like adam lz sort of showed me how important it is to create content and be bigger than um than the driving you yeah. know um you yourself your personality needs to be larger than what you're doing on track and um he kind of showed me that uh, that there's a different way to do this, and it's not by ending up on the podium every single round. It's by yeah. creating content that is worth it, that what people like to see, and your sponsors like to see as well. And uh, getting all this stuff out there—that's that's what our job is, you know. Yeah, the podium helps. I mean, it definitely draws attention. Oh, it it can, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> yeah. a benefit to it. I think there's, mm-hmm. you know, like a benefit to the morale it brings that you want to keep driving when you're driving mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. I mean, you've been in what was pro two and pro spec now, man, mm-hmm. close to 10 years, uh, yeah, I mean, seven I, at least. License, I earned my first FD pro license. I learned in OS earned in Oh six. And then I started, um, I mean, I've been through, through pro two pro spec since the inception. And, uh, it, I think it was Homestead Miami speedway, um, where the first round was. Yeah. And, uh, had a nice uh, top eight battle with Nate Hamilton there. And, oh, nice. And, you know, pro two has been, uh, been ramping up ever since and it's really cool like even the the banquet last year the banquet this year it was really cool to walk into that room and see how big it's become and see that it's its own viable series you know you're walking into this room with enough teams and enough good drivers and enough people that are supporting this that um it's it's impressive you know and um to see it develop from you know a sort of secret drivers meeting with with uh, ryan sage and uh and all the other crew talking about hey we're starting a new series this and that you know we'd love if you guys would would uh would compete um and seeing it turn into this has been uh, pretty cool yeah it's 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 pretty cool i mean whenever i think of 
OG, you know, guys in, in the game. I mean, you're definitely up there as much as, like, you haven't made the jump to pro yet. I mean, when I think of, of guys, and it helps, too, that, like, you were a staple in the scene when I was physically, like, when I physically started going. Like, yeah. when I was watching and stuff, too, I mean, I didn't, in the beginning, I didn't watch as much pro, too, but, like, my first couple of years there, I mean, you, Human, I mean, you, Human, Jeff Donati, uh, I'm trying to think of who else, even Jonathan, like those are the, those were the guys that that I really remembered. And like um, mostly because it was like who you pitted near. Right. Like you yeah. become you become yeah. friends with people that yeah. you pit near. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, it, as it happens. And, and then Curtis and I actually became good buddies. Uh, just going to a, I went to a shop once and then Grid Life was a whole other can of worms because his shop's like right near Road Atlanta. So, well, I apologize. It's tough being friends with Curtis. I love Curtis. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's such awesome a dude. he's yeah. such a big bear. Yeah. I, no, no, he's a uh, great yeah. guy. Yeah, he's like yeah. he's like a sourdough roll. You know, he's got that hard, crusty in here. But man, he's this big, softy on the inside. That's a <laughs> solid. A that's a solid way yeah. of putting it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a solid way. He's like a sourdough roll. <laughs> so you got, I guess you you kind of came up through drifting, kind of like in an interesting time and fairly quick. Um, from my understanding, mm-hmm. you got your D one license like in like a year, like right off the bat, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I uh, we purchased a 350Z new in November of 2003. My first event was March of 2004, and I was D1 licensed in February of 2005. Jeez. Um, and it, it seems like a really short time, but I don't know. When you're that young, it seems like that took forever. You know, yeah. it was a lot of drift days, and it was just a lot of excitement when you're getting into in, into it. You know, um, I remember my first track day actually was at uh button willow and we were running the west loop and then uh drift day was over on the east loop and i was doing you know hot lapping regular grip driving and i was looking over there and i was like i, I need to go over there <laughs> I need to meet those guys they look like they're having way more fun so i got you know some information from them started you know visiting the driftday.com website and drifting.com websites which were the sort of the the hubs of drifting at the time and um, started going to their events. Um, actually did a U.S. drift event. It was my first drift event at a California Speedway. That was the one in, in March of 2005. And then, um, yeah, I just started doing drift days. I think right around drift day 15 or 16 is when I started doing the actual drift days. Um, and uh, just started moving up from there. Got the D1 license in the car when it was uh, basically a stock 350Z, uh, Techno Square reflash on the ECU and uh, RSR exhaust, and that was it. Stock wheels and tires, no coilovers, no handbrake, wow. no nothing, no angle kit. You know, it was just sort of if you could make it through the Irwindale course like that back then, you know, <laughs> not really eat, eat it. You know, they would uh, they give you a good license and uh, it was a decent lap. I got you know sushi. I had to go ooh as I <laughs> entered the inner bank and stuff like that. So little bucket list item to impress that guy. Yeah, that's pretty um, sick. And then I uh, stood next to uh, Tony Angelo, and I don't recall the other driver's name. It was a Japanese driver, both driving uh, for Falcon at the time. And I was just sitting there in my John Deere sweatshirt and had their <laughs> Falcon race suits on. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's 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 start taking this, you know, seriously. And, um, yeah, Turbo the 350Z uh, started doing Formula Drift, and um, it was just all downhill from there. <laughs> I'd I'd heard a rumor that that car was actually not even purchased; that it was a lease, and you just started modding the, it right the away. Z? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a lease actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a three year, and it, uh, yeah, we wow. started 
drifting it right away. Took it into a water barrier before the lease was up. I want to say at the <laughs> California Speedway, the D1 driver's search. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. That's crazy. Yeah. And I still got the car, too. It's still around. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need to replace the gas tank. The gas tank's full of rust right now. But uh put it on the dyno a couple weeks ago. It made 350 or so. So, I mean, it's still, Damn. still running. Yeah. That's a turbo VQ? Yeah, turbo VQ. Yeah, okay. um, probably the third VQ, the third engine, and probably the tenth transmission. I put it. Oh, man, yeah. that's yeah, that's brutal. And you you put it you put it into a water barrier. But, yeah, that wasn't the worst wow. crash, but that was the most. I think that was like the first real like embarrassing crash because it was a D one driver search. This was uh, early two thousand four, or I want to say like mid two thousand four. This is probably like my fourth or fifth drift event ever uh, and i'm like yeah let's just sign up for the d1 driver search good idea and then uh <laughs> it was a course that was like the typical you know uh decreased radius course so straight line entry into a long sweeping corner that came around into a, a little you know switchback tight s's third down to second gear yeah and they had a water barrier on this side and i see uh, chris forsberg go and do this big faint in his 350z and enter super awesome you know fainting towards the wall and then hitting the big wide line i'm like i'll try that and i go out there and i faint and it doesn't come back. And I just go right into the barrier. <laughs> oh, and man. just destroy the water barriers. And the, water, and the water barriers were full of water. It leaked water all over the track. I felt like a dickhead because, you know, it killed all the practice time. Basically, everybody had this giant river right where they were initiating for the next couple hours. And, uh, yeah, I think pulling away from the track that day, some guy even yelled dumbass at me as I was driving out of the track. And then uh, two events later, came back, got the D1 license, and uh, started this journey. Yeah. Did it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it I learned that from skateboarding, though, because, I mean, you got to be able to, to fall, hurt yourself, get made fun of, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as you get back up again and you keep moving forward, that is, uh, that's what counts. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like, you don't want to walk away from the park until you've landed the trick i mean that was like kind of no, that was like no, my no. go-to or it was like i was either too injured to continue or yeah. i wouldn't leave unless i landed whatever trick that was yeah and when you can't land it man that is that is the worst debilitating to your soul <laughs> yeah I was, I was showing like one of our staff members today like when i broke my shin skating and I was like showing him like the the photos of of like at the skate park, and then like two days later, I'm like I'm black and blue from like knee knee to foot, mm -hmm. and I'm like I skated on that for like another twenty minutes until I realized mm -hmm. how bad it was, and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I should probably go to the hospital. Yeah, if you get it before the swelling comes up, it's you can still get a couple tricks. <laughs> yeah, you can still get, you can still get in a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's too yeah, funny. Yeah, huh? And uh, so you you come from a bit of a motorsports background as well, right? Like your yeah. your grandfather and I think it was your uncle, both in a, more motorcycles though. Yeah, it's uh, I come from the background. I should say I come from the blood. I don't come from the background because my grandfather um, wasn't a big part of my life. I'd only met him two or three times, but he was the one that you know built motorcycles. Ended up in the motorcycle hall of fame. Right. Uh, used to do point to point races back before they did. Um, before they started flat track racing back in, uh, this is probably the 1930s. Okay. Late 1930s, early 1940s, because this is before my dad was born. And um, yeah, he would do, he did the Catalina point to point, which was from Twin Cities to, uh, to what's the other one out there? Avalon. And um, won that one in, I think, in like 1955. Um, and then 
uh, once he, he saw his buddy start to transition into flat track racing, watched a few of them die doing that and said, you know, I'm just going to build bikes now. Yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah, I built bikes for my uncle and, uh, my uncle did a lot of flat track stuff. He did road racing, he did everything. Um, he did some, a lot of stunt work too. He's actually the guy that jumped the motorcycle through the, uh, movie screen in Terminator and landed in between the, uh, the aisle and rode, rode up the aisle. He's got a great story about that because, the movie screen you couldn't see through so they just painted you know they painted lines of where the aisle was and they just <laughs> jumped through that completely blind on a harley oh this is a harley gosh. too this is not a small bike this is not a dirt bike and lands in between it and rides off um yeah a lot of cool stories and um yeah it's just sort of in my blood i guess i guess you could call me a third generation drifter yeah if, kind if of they've been doing flat track yeah. for that long i mean flat uh, track is is kind of the I mean, that's, yeah. that's a progression. Scripted from... on two wheels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, interesting uh, that I kind of fell in line with uh, motorsports, even though, like I said, it wasn't, you know, a big influential part of my life. My parents wouldn't buy me a motorcycle if I ever asked for it when I was young and stuff like <laughs> that. You know, they were yeah. a lot more protective than uh, than um, than my you know, uncle and grandpa's side of the family was. So. It, it's funny how, like, sometimes it'll skip a generation, like... Yep. My my grandfather was big, big into photography and like it kind of mm-hmm. skipped my mom. I mean, she worked at a, a, photo, a photo shop for a while, but like, um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting how how some of that stuff will happen. We're like, it, for, I don't know. It's weird because you, you hear Once about that too. DNA, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like my, my grandfather was a big was a big motorcycle guy, big racing guy. So and then like my mom had no interest in it, um, no interest in racing whatsoever. And then my dad watched like NASCAR. But I feel mm-hmm. like that was during the Earnhardt era where, like, every every guy watched NASCAR, even if you didn't like NASCAR. Every red-blooded Budweiser drinking American. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was that was the thing. And then, yeah. you know, now I've got to, like, explain to him what drifting is. <laughs> Although he's, he's, yeah. He's, yeah. he's slowly coming around to it. So Yeah. It's, it's an of, interesting sport. I mean, I remember even, you know, way back in the day when, when the sport was, you know, near its inception, you know, early 2000s and going into SEMA show and stuff like that. And having you have to explain to them what the motorsport was, Yeah, you know, especially before Tokyo Drift, actually. Tokyo Drift actually did us a lot of help, in fact, in sort of letting the general public know what drifting is. After that movie came out, I didn't have to explain it to anybody. I do, so I do drifting. Oh, Tokyo Drift? Yes, exactly. That. You slide our cars around, you know? So yeah. it actually, it helped in a, in a lot of ways so that uh helped it sort of become uh, a household word at that point, you know, because it, it definitely wasn't before. It just yeah, it opens it up, right? When it gets into the, the mm-hmm. zeitgeist, if you will, it just yep. just you yeah, you don't have to explain it. It's it's a little bit easier. We I still get the yep. like, oh, isn't that the thing that like Ken Block does? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. but like not really. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. And I'm like, you know, and if that's yeah. the relation that you know the sport through, then I'll play off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Cool. You you had a, a really interesting childhood too. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. to travel a fair bit. As a kid, mm-hmm. I've, I've got trips to Costa Rica, Tanzania. It looks mm-hmm. like you had a, had an interesting childhood, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that's sort of how I spent time with, with family and stuff like that. My dad worked uh, long hours and a lot, so I didn't see him a whole lot when I was younger. You know, I'd be getting home at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, maybe out the door at 4 o'clock in the morning. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, vacations were, were important to, you know, staying cohesive as a family unit, you know, and keeping us together and... Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was great fun. I saw a lot of amazing things, you know, um, the trip to Tanzania was probably the, the highlight, one of the bigger highlights of my life, honestly, being able to see wildlife in the wild like that. And, um, 
yeah, I took a picture of this this lion that was eating its kill, and I'm standing on top of the Land Rover, and he lion connects eyes with me. I connect eyes with the lion, and he's just face covered in blood. He's literally got you know pieces of this this wildebeest in his mouth, and the guide is like, "Get back in the van, very slow." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, All right, and you have like a real moment where you're you're just part of the food chain there for a minute, and. Uh, yeah, I think that's important just as a human to realize that, um, you know, we're animals and we're food just like the rest of the other animals out there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, one foul step and uh, that's your ass. So um, it's it's humbling just to see all that for sure. You think you're yeah. king shit until you realize you're not. No, no. I mean, the, the 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 strongest, biggest, you know, most confident guy in the world and, you know, stick him in a pack of lions and, you know, he's... He's not that guy anymore, you know? So, um, yeah, and meeting people that had, you know, physically killed lions. You know, I met a guy, this uh, Maasai wire who uh, killed a lion. I got a spear up on the wall. It's the same type of spear that he kills the lions with. And, um, yeah, I met a guy who killed a lion. That's pretty badass. You know, that's a pretty badass dude in the grand scheme of things with all the people (laughs) you're going to meet on this planet, you know? Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a different, different world. To be respected, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's wild. I've I've never I've never done anything quite like that, but I I'd, I'd seen some pictures from way back and I was like, holy shit, dude, that's nuts. That's I, cool. I though. highly recommend it. Just immersing yourself in nature as much as you can and, and feeling that those yeah. moments where you, you feel um part of it again, you know. I, I was lucky. I kind of grew up like I grew up on 40 acres of bush and then the other mm-hmm. part of the house was on the lake. So like, I mean, I didn't I definitely didn't appreciate it when I was younger because like mm-hmm. my stepdad took me from the suburbs and moved me to like literally the forest where there was no one around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah. I don't know, 11 or something. And I'm like, oh, mom, mm-hmm. like I, I, I got no friends nearby. I got to live in the forest yeah. now. And I mean, I was yeah. there until I was 18. And like mm-hmm. looking back, I you know, I, I get frustrated. I go for a walk in the forest and I would all I would like, you know, I would pay ridiculous amounts of money now to get that back mm-hmm. again. But at the time, I, I didn't realize how much it meant to me, which kind of sucks. Yeah. 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 You don't, you don't realize until it's going. Right? Yeah. Sure. No. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. I'm glad I'm glad you got to do that kind of traveling. It's that's neat, especially as a dad who arguably works too much. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that I'm planning with my kids where it's like, OK, like. I'm in a position now where we can go on a big trip, maybe not quite Tanzania, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we're planning the big Disney thing. And like, that's awesome. I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. Like I remember doing Disney as a kid. That's, mm-hmm. that's such a crucial moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Very How, cool. Speaking, speaking of tons of travel, uh, I'd, I'd be amiss if I didn't bring up going to China and driving. Mm-hmm. How, how did that all come together? Cause that was like fairly early in your career that you, you went over there. Yeah. Um, so my buddy Terry uh, Henderson, who runs the Drift Buffet stuff out at uh, UMC, just did the pros after pros before bros event right after the event uh, here in Salt Lake. Um, he called me up. He was living in Shanghai at the time and um, called me up and asked me if I wanted to drive in these demos out here. And um, my course was, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. We grabbed a group of, let's see, probably about 15 drivers and about 10 models and all of us just hopped on a plane headed over there and it was sort of a rock star party Chinese you know uh, lifestyle for the next two weeks you know just eating random buffets of stuff that we had no idea we were eating and you know having dinners with the chief of police and the 
prime minister this and all these important people. And it, we were just a bunch of young 20 somethings, you know, drifting with the passion of drifting, just kind of, uh, uh, enjoying life. And, um, it was a really interesting trip. The first trip we did, you know, a lot of vac vacation style spots. So we did, we went to the great wall and um, saw a bunch of really cool stuff. And, uh, um, the second trip was more of just sort of focused on get the driving done, get the business done and get out of there. Um, and we went in 2007, 2009, I believe there was trips almost every year for quite a while. Those were just the two that I was invited on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I believe, I think Larry took over in 2009. So Larry invited me back in 2009 to do that stuff. And, um, it was just good times. Um, interesting place over there. Pizza Hut is incredible in China, actually. They have escargot. They have, like, greeters at the door. It's, really? Like, it's the first place I had escargot, actually, and now I love, uh, I love escargot. I'm, I'm a big escargot Pizza fan. Pizza Hut in China. So, uh, What's that? I'm a big escargot fan as well. It's like, oh, great. It's one of those, yeah. like, if I go to a bar and they have it, I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't care if yeah. it's canned. I don't care if it's yeah. fresh. Like, I'm I'm all right with Just it. Just don't get the, the sea snails. Those ones I've heard aren't very good. It's yeah. The snails that are, that are real good. But, uh, yeah, yeah. it's weird weird interesting place just the how it all flows how it all works um we did a lot of skateboarding there skateboarded all over the city and stuff like that and just sort of did some exploring and uh the club scene over there is insane the club that we went to in hanzhou sos was the just the craziest nightclub i've ever been to in my life still to this day i mean just nutty nutty stuff girls hanging from the ceiling with with steel plates on their chest and die grinders grinding sparks <laughs> into the crowd just just wild stuff that would not fly in the u.s as far as osha safety codes go like, you know those little things that like that shoot the flames off you know like they'll shoot like the little ball of flames like they have at dmec and stuff like yeah, that yeah like they have those indoors and the flames are just hitting the ceiling and just sort of spreading out just Jesus. in the inside of this building with tons of people in there just partying and having a good time it was so very just uh, <laughs> just interesting. It's an interesting place. It's just there's there's lack of uh, concern for those types of things out there, and you know, entertainment is to, key, right? Like exactly, just, allows yeah. you to do a little bit more, I guess, with the entertainment side of things. Um, yeah, yeah, very interesting country. Yeah, <laughs> man, you're you're yeah. so worldly. Like I feel, I feel like there's not enough information out there about you at least i mean like obviously <laughs> obviously if you watch your podcast that you delve into some of it but like yeah i still yeah. think you guys kind of keep it more as like and don't take this the wrong way but it's kind of like bullshit talk where it's just yeah it's meant yeah, to be much. like this yep. is what it's like mm -hmm. um i actually nate hamilton I, he's got a really good series i don't know if you watched his where it's like it's called downtime is what, is that what it is okay where, where mm -hmm. like he talks about the conversation. He wants to have conversations like the ones you have when the track is cold mm -hmm. or like you're in between runs, like those types mm -hmm. of combos. And they're really good. And that's that's kind of how I see with like yours and Jeff that you like you guys. Jeff has big energy. You've got good energy, too. And like it's just mostly you guys hanging out and, and shooting the shit about what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, we just we have long conversations on the regular. I mean, if besides what we do on the podcast, we still probably have two, three hour conversations every week that don't end up on the podcast. So um, we're just kind of reserving our conversation time for public to see, basically. Yeah. You know? And sometimes we're just talking about dumb stuff and sometimes we're talking about really serious stuff. And that's just sort of where we go with it. You know, it's good, though. I mean, you guys both have a, a slightly different perspective on the sport. Like you're not you're definitely mm -hmm. not in agreement with everything, which is cool. Yeah. Like I would yeah. prefer that there's nothing. 
in my opinion, like having those conversations where it's just a lot of agreements, it kind of gets old. For yeah, me, at least, it yeah. gets old. Yeah. Yeah, no, you got to listen to both sides of the story. And, um, yeah, it's nice to have, you know, a different perspective. And, uh, of course, when I have a different perspective than him, he's always wrong. You know, <laughs> Of course. Right. Yeah, no, so, that's, you know, that's, 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 just, that's just the way it goes, just, you know. It's just weird yeah. that it always happens that way, that he's incorrect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I have no idea how it goes down like that. Ah, oh, that's yeah. funny. How how'd you guys get connected? Just through FD? Like... Um, actually it's a weird story. I was working at a, uh, automotive detail company where we did, um, car prep for cars for commercials and stuff like that. So we'd paint the cars, we'd pull interiors out to do, you know, exterior shots. We'd cut up the cars in half so they could do those big wide swing interior shots. And oh, like cool. Interior. All sorts of crazy stuff. And, uh, I worked with my buddy Ascension there and, um, he knew Jeff, he was into the sort of, uh, Canyon drifting community up there up in um, Malibu in near. Yeah. yeah. No, this was up in uh, sun Valley actually. So over oh, like, okay. Tonga mountain road and, and up more towards Angeles crest. Um, he knew Jeff and, uh, I told him, you know, this was after I got my D one license and he's like, you're not a D one driver, blah, blah, blah. This is Ascension that was telling me this and, uh, took him to a parking lot, did a couple donuts. And he's like, all right, yeah, you know what you're doing. Come by Jeff's house later. This and that we went to, uh, Jeff's house and I, I met Jeff for the first time there, just hanging out in his living room and. And he's like, so you're a D1 driver, huh? And I was like, yep. He's like, huh? Okay. And then that was about it. Like we didn't have like a, we didn't have like a big in-depth conversation. It was just like, he just sort of, we just sort of met each other. And then, um, yeah, we just saw each other at event. We've been seeing each other at events ever since that was, you know, 2005 probably. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, we, we just, every time you go drifting in SoCal, if it's a big event, I know Jeff would always be there and yeah. always be there. We, we'd always hook up and um, and talk and, um, yeah, just sort of grew our friendship. Yeah. I, I can hear him saying that. Like, I can like, yeah. I can yeah. hear the voice, like, huh. like, the like, you're D1 okay. driver, huh? Okay. And then just, like, moving yeah. on, just leaving it like Yeah, that. his brain's turning. There's there's gears. There's stuff, yeah. stuff was going on there, I could tell. But, like, He's like, you let know, me get back just, to this. I, I, yeah, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't processed all of this yet. This, this. Yeah, yeah, and he just met me, too. Like, I, I just walked in the door, you know, and he didn't know who the hell I was, and I didn't know who the hell he was. So, you yeah. know, was just reading each other, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when did you when did you get into the BMW? Like, what... This, like I want, um, I definitely want to know what that decision was like because it is not so a great drifting platform by today's oh, standards. E30. I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the E30 specifically. Yeah, yeah. E30, so yeah, um, yeah. your current car is back in the, incredible. Um, yeah, your those, old car was work. Yeah, your no, old car was so a problem. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So when I was canyon racing the E30 or not the, the E30, but the is the 350Z back in the day, um, I came across a group of guys that were in a driving group. Um, and uh one of them was in an evo my buddy jason aquino and another one was in e30 my buddy chris shots um we're still great we're friends with today uh i i you know came up to the top of the mountain and they're like hey you know you want to race the downhill or whatever and i said sure fine so i take off on the downhill um chris is behind me in his e30 and jason is behind him in the evo and i kind of kind of did like a jump start you know i kind of gave him the little the little the little jump off the line and they never caught up by the bottom of the hill and then um i see them like talking to each other him jason and chris and then evo pulls up behind me and evo falls me up the hill and he keeps up the whole way and i'm drifting up the mountain and stuff like that and um and we get to the top and you know i just sort of became friends with them ever since and then um watching how chris drove the car and how he was able to 
basically hang with me and my 350Z and, and my buddy in his Evo on these Canyon roads with this, you know, this 20 or at that time it was a 20 year old car or whatever. And, um, not much power. It was, it was the Etta version. So maybe put down 80 horsepower to the ground or something like that. Yeah. Probably weighed 2,500 pounds. And, uh, he drove the snot out of it and was with us the whole time. And it always impressed me that, you know, with such a, you know, old chassis that could just hang and it looked so much fun to drive too. He was yeah. drifting it all over the place, trail breaking into the corners and all this stuff. So they're um, super nimble. Like, like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're well, yeah. They're very good at a certain horsepower level. Once you exceed <laughs> that, they don't become very good anymore. Like it's the, like a, like it's like a Miata. Can, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like a lot of fun <laughs> sub 300 horsepower. You know, once you get above that, they're just, they're just, uh, there's not that fun anymore. Um, and it's, and it sort of has to do with just how neutral the cars are. I think, I think truly neutral cars just aren't that fun with a lot of horsepower, mm. you know? You know, like a, like a Miata, like an MR2, like cars like that, you know, something that you can just turn like a 911, old 911, for example, you know, um, cars that are that lightweight and that responsive, you know, you, and, and that neutral as far as rotation goes, you know, you don't need a whole lot of horsepower to have a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good um, point. So, but back to the E30, I picked up an E30 after watching him drive his um sort of fell in love with how they drove decided that uh this was back when the 350z was uh, turbocharged and i had a lot of uh, problems with it and um i sort of decided to build my own fd car at that point and uh the i chose the e30 as, as my platform um because it was cheap i was familiar with it um it was easy to sort of take apart and put back together it was a relatively simple car compared to cars nowadays um, and, uh, picked up a chassis and started, uh, that process and, uh, gutted the chassis. I had an S54 that I was actually going to swap into it. And, um, I was looking at doing a, uh, brake booster setup in the car and I picked up a magazine one day at my ex-girlfriend's house and I was reading about this E30 in there. And it was, uh, he had the brake booster with a 90 degree, uh, uh, mount behind the dash. So I just thought that was interesting to get that out of the engine bay. It'd give mm. me all the room I needed for my S54 swap, all this stuff. Cause actually there's, there's some complications with the airbox on that motor and that engine swap. Um, so I called up the company, Gromo Fabrications out of uh, Duarte, California. And, um, they said, well, what are you going to do with the car? I said, well, drifting, we've got talking. They turned out, they wanted to basically sponsor me with their V8 E30 build that they had already built, hmm. have me sell off my S54, sell off the chassis and come into their shop and kind of learn basic fabrication and, and sort of build the E30 out of their shop. Um, so got into there, started working on the E30 out of there. That's where the sort of project started. Um, realized I was way in over my head as far as my skill set went, <laughs> yeah. you know, Been there. Um, got, got better at it. Um, definitely that the 30 was just kind of my college education. I'd like to call it as, as far as building cars go and doing stuff, right. There's a lot of things that I build a whole, you know, radiator mount or whatever. And I'd look at it and I go, ah, that's terrible. And I just cut it out and redo it. Cause that was just the part of, of learning fabrication is, is, uh, is knowing, you know, when you've, when you're in over your head and, and knowing how to rebuild stuff and, and do it right. Um, so started the build out of there, uh, eventually took the build to once again, my ex-girlfriend's house did some stuff out of there. We broke up. I moved the build to a hangar in the Van Nuys airport here <laughs> in, in SoCal and, um, 
finished up uh, like the uh, front end fabrication. And this was also at the time I was doing uh, Pro-Ams on the 350Z, re-earning my license through Vegas Drift and through Top Drift and stuff. So this was all around uh, 2012, 2013, 2011, right in there. And um, that's when I uh, transferred over to the new shop. This, this car actually traveled through a lot of places. I was just going to say, it's my new shop yeah, pretty out here in Chatsworth. And that's where I actually did the, the motor swap, uh, put the LS3 in there, got the transmission on it, and actually got it running at that shop. Uh, and that was, uh, let's see, late 2013. Yeah. Like December or so. Of, I think the first test day with that car, I think, was December of 2013. And I um, had it slated to get it ready for my 2013 season. Actually, my wiring guy kind of screwed me over and took, you know, uh, about six months to do a two week job that he quoted on me on. So, um, yeah, I missed that season because of him. Came back the 2014 season with the car and um, was thrown right into Long Beach as my first event with that car, which is a little sketchy. Yeah. That's the car that you just spent like four years building. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Uh... That's well, I know 2014 is kind of like a, a rough, a rough year too. Cause like you had a bunch of like your truck broke down a whole shitload. Like there was like a lot yeah. that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a whole lot that happened. And, um, fortunately the truck did break down. Cause that's how I met Kurtz. I met my crew chief that oh, way, really? you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It broke down on the way to Atlanta, um, in a cotton field in the middle of Texas. <laughs> on, I forget the name of the highway. It's 250 something, but it connects Amarillo down to Dallas. And uh, it's just middle of nowhere. Um, and shout out to Aaron Lucy. He came out and met me in uh, Wichita Falls, where I dropped the truck off at a Ford dealer and towed my trailer from there to uh, Road Atlanta. Okay. And then um, once we learned that the the truck needed a new motor, we had the, the truck transported from Wichita Falls to Atlanta got it worked on there. Um, the warranty process with Ford is extremely slow, especially when they don't want to honor your warranty, basically. Fair. And just, just so you know, Ford owners out there, the powertrain warranty is only for a strictly internal failure. So if any of the other parts surrounding the motor cause the motor to fail, even though they are Ford installed parts and Ford warrantied parts, they will not cover the motor itself. So we ended up with a, I believe a $36,000 bill at the end of that oh. to replace the motor in my truck. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that very much. Uh, um, so we're never going to see you in yeah. a Mustang is what you're telling me here. No, I mean, I mean, I bought, I, I bought a Dodge after that. I mean, I didn't want to deal with the, the issues. And then um, also right after we got the motor <laughs> replaced, I'm, I get about 80 miles out of Atlanta and the flywheel breaks off. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm 80 miles north of Atlanta, and I have a perfectly running engine, but it's not connected to the wheels at all. And they would have, I <laughs> so mean, I have to, they would have replaced that too <laughs> in that process, right? Like, I believe the flywheels come attached to the motor. I was going to say, I, I don't know what went down, but um, I uh, had the truck. Tow, this is on the way up to New Jersey, so I had to tow the truck uh, back to uh, back to Atlanta. Curtis came up, rescued me again in his truck. We towed the toy hauler back down to Atlanta. I went and rented. A Dodge from um, from Enterprise and towed up to Jersey. Came back to Atlanta once my truck was fixed, and then finally, after like three months of being stuck there, I was on the way home. <laughs> and we 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 had another engine fail in the Ford truck as well. Um, and Jesus. I just yeah, I couldn't 
couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And it was more so that they wouldn't honor the warranty when they knew that they had, you know, the issue. It was a, it was a cracked radiator issue. They had TSBs on it. They knew it was an issue. And uh, yeah, should just take care of your customers. Nah. That's all. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, it's funny you mentioned the toy hauler because that's like one of the most memorable mm -hmm. trailers to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was it was it originally a toy hauler or did you convert yeah. it to be one? OK. No, originally toy hauler actually had to sort of convert it into a call ha car hauler more more or less. Um, I had to reinforce the floor. I put uh, eight by two steel C channel um, along, you know, the where the wheels would go up and down the trailer. So, yeah. you know, had support underneath and, um, you know, did diamond plate. Basically, I called Carson trailer and they said they do make a model that is good for a 3000 pound floor. And they sent me the schematic for it. So I basically oh, just cool. copied their schematic and um, and then we were good to go for. Let's see, that thing lasted a uh, better part of 10 years. Yeah. Until really started falling apart for anybody who's never seen it it literally just looks like a normal camper except mm -hmm. it's got you know andy's e30 in it and then yeah. a toolbox yeah. strapped to the back of it i had a lot of people ask me like well how do you get the car to the track because they see the car outside the toy hauler yeah. and like it goes in there but, but like the what? back if i remember correctly the back didn't look like a ramp it still looked like a a normal trailer I mean, it had the ramp door, but um, they do make the same model trailer without the ramp. So yeah. I mean, it just sort it's, of looks I remember, like a normal. I did the same thing. I think I, I think I, at one point, it was probably in Atlanta, I came up to you and like, how did you get that here? I was probably one of those mm -hmm. people. That's mm -hmm. so funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. guys would fire up the Dodge and take off. So I do, I do yeah. very much remember that, that hauler. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was a good one. A lot of good years. Oh, that's Somebody's living out of that thing in Georgia right now, actually. Really? Yeah, Curtis sold it to a guy down there who said he's going to live in it for a couple, like six months until he can sell his house or buy a house or something. Oh, yeah. uh, that's funny. Of course, Curtis yeah. has a guy. Wild. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what, what's it, I guess, like, when did you realize enough was enough with the E30, like, and making the, the jump? It's an E46 you're in now, right? Uh, yeah, E46 we're in now. Um, it was... Getting the financial things right and in order to build a new car because I knew that was going to be expensive and I knew that um, I didn't want to use everything off the E30. Right. Um, and I wanted to redo the you know new electronics package, PDM, ECU, all that stuff. So um, all luckily, <laughs> uh, Link EC, yeah, Link ECU helped us out a lot with that, and um, we got a, a package now that is uh, just I don't I don't have to worry about it. it mm -hmm. Runs, starts, just nothing that I have to be concerned about with the running. Uh, running part of that car it's just driving and set up now so it's um it's a completely different ball game as far as um how i approached you know all these years previous i've been approaching this as you know how do we keep the car running yeah you know it was my main focus of the entire weekend um and now it's uh you know just focus on my zones focus on my driving um, stay consistent don't get in my head you know and just start um really working on the athlete part of it you know rather than the the car part of it you know well i mean it shows obviously your your performance has been significantly better after swapping to that chassis yeah and actually i'm gonna i was gonna work on a reel here pretty soon here highlighting all my previous season finishes you know in 33rd or 32nd or 16th or 12th or whatever you yeah. know and then last two years second third well, you know and, and um and i think it like it plays to both the mental side of it that we talk a lot about but it also plays to like 
there is something to be said about having a well set up chassis that like you can be a, a brilliant driver, but without the proper chassis beneath you, like it doesn't it doesn't matter. You're going to be fighting the car the whole time. And we already know yeah. that 46 is like, you know, I mean, it's top three, maybe like top five for sure. Maybe top three chassis right now. I think it's number one. Yeah, I in I my know. Opinion. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have. I mean, really, it's it's. You would have to say the Mustangs, but it's the way that mm-hmm. those RTRs are built. That's not really attainable for ninety percent of ninety nine percent of the population. Like, yeah, go go yeah. look at the billet control arms on those things and tell me everyone can buy yeah. those. Um, yeah, and then arguably it's it's either Corvette or S chassis and BMW. Like those are kind of mm-hmm. your your top three right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it. it I wouldn't argue that it's the fastest car or, I mean, best is a hard yeah, thing you, to describe. I, w- I would describe it as being the easiest to just hop in and do well. Fair. I mean, um, we we built the car. I took Odie's advice on, on the feel suspension we have on the car and um, uh, just let it at, put it at the mid settings all the way around, you know. So, if, you know, 15 up from 30 or whatever in the front and, you know, like that. Everything's just middle ground. And that was going into Orlando, and I haven't touched it hmm. since. Just like, I haven't changed. I mean, we've done a little toe adjustments. We've done little ride height adjustments um, over the last two years. But, I mean, as far as, like, dampening setting goes, I haven't touched it. I think um, I think in, in pro spec, it's more important to be consistent than it is to be fast. or com- Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word competitive because I think that's wrong. But, like, I think too many people worry – too much about like setup needs to be set but at that level you your consistency is more important than the car's setup uh definitely i mean that's basically how we won orlando that year i mean we didn't get close in any tandems our battles that that weekend yeah Um, yeah we did was run our lead run and not make mistakes. We were out of tire. By the time I transitioned into the final zone on our chase laps, uh, we were just out of tire. Mm. You know, uh, I was burning through about 75% of the tire on our lead lap. <laughs> and um, it was either change the setup on the car and possibly compromise my lead lap or just run my lead lap and do my best in the chase to not go washing wide and, and not get completely run away from. Um, and um, fortunately, yeah, everyone who followed us made mistakes. We did our our chase lap decent we didn't get on the door obviously because we had zero grip but um we just stayed consistent and took home the win Hmm. Um, and that sort of retrained how i thought about you know approaching pro spec and um that has helped and hurt in some ways because there are some rounds where my spotter will tell me like hey he made this mistake or that mistake and i'll say all right well i'll hang back a little bit in the chase and then we end up with like a one more time or something like uh, that happened with, with Nate in uh, in Salt Lake, in, not Salt Lake City, but in uh, in uh, St. Louis. Yeah. My spotter got on and he's like, oh, he made this mistake and that mistake. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll give him a car length, you know, or I'll give him a little bit of space. And then we roll into one more time. I'm like, Why did I do that? Yeah. I should have just charged hard. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of it is just playing the chess game right. Knowing who you're going against, um, knowing how consistent they are and um, and knowing when to push it and when to not push it because um whenever you push it there's a chance of you pushing yourself into a zone where you make a mistake and maybe that mistake outweighs the mistake that they made in front of you that pushed you into that mistake you know that and then it 
really depends on where the eyes are. You know, if, if your mistake is that much larger and they're just focusing all on that, then you're not going to move on. So um, I think it's really important to kind of stay in your comfort zone. I've been trying to do that mentally and on the track. Um, I mean, I, I make that mistake um, with Blake in St. Louis uh, top eight, I believe. I did the same mistake that I did last year in top eight there. I pushed a little bit too hard on entry, dropped mm-hmm. the tire, and then it delayed my switch back and just kind of ruined, delayed the transition, ruined the rest of the run. Um, and knowing to kind of dial yourself back, relax, do your lead run, as Ryan Montaigne would say, yeah. you know, and uh, just do what you can do and um, don't push yourself beyond your comfort boundary, I think is the most important thing. And even watching, you know, Pro One Salt Lake City this week, and I noticed a lot of a lot of guys just pushing that a little bit beyond their comfort level to where they're, they're making mistakes, they're dropping tires, they're doing this and that. And I know those guys are good drivers. I know if you told them like, hey, you know, we're going to shoot your dog if you don't hit that outside zone, you know, they would hit it perfectly. You know, they can do it, you know, that you get in the head and you get in the moment, you don't relax, you don't uh, focus on your goals at hand, you know, Um, and you get in that hype mode where you just, you want to put down the fastest, most badass lap possible or whatever. And uh, most of the times you did that in qualifying and you didn't even realize it and you just need to do your qualifying lap again. Yeah. Um, So yeah, but trying to sort of, dial back my aggression because um a lot of the times it's just it's just unnecessary and that ends up making you make a mistake and then you look bad yeah what what have you like changed in the mental game like is there is there any like process or routine that you've stop changed caring. okay just just stop caring just yeah go ahead and like, have fun. I, like going into the going into the final round here like i you know uh, all my guys were like hey well this is gonna happen for us to take second you know this and that you know he's got to do this for us to take first and i just in one year out the other. Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't care about taking second this year. We took third last year. Our goal this year was to up our tandem game and get better at that. We did that. Yeah. Um I feel like in um in uh, in Salt in St. Louis and in New Jersey and as well at the Riverside 50k or whatever that we did out there. Um I feel comfortable going into next year with our with our tandem and our chase game. Um so I mean this this final round was just sort of have fun with it, you know. Um and I mean, all arounds this year, I kind of approached that way. I wasn't worried about the overall result. I was more um, worried about how I felt about myself at the end of it. You know, how do I how do I feel mm-hmm. comfortable with my driving and um, and do I feel like I achieved my goals? Yeah. Right now, for the podcast listeners only, we're offering $5 off each ticket purchased on Formula Drift website by using FD Podcast when you check out. That is FD Podcast. I don't know if you need to capital the FD, but try it either way. So head over to formuladrift.com, pick up the tickets, then enter code FD podcast, get $5 off all eight events this year. It's our 20th season. Head over. If you're going, save five bucks. Might as well. Oh, I know we kind of yeah. chatted about next year uh, in mm-hmm. Utah at that one. Is that still kind of the plan is financially, if everything makes sense to make the jump to pro? Yeah, definitely. Um, we're working our deals. I'm I'm already been making phone calls here and trying to get stuff done this week to sort of sort of line stuff up for SEMA and uh, and uh, sort of financially make it happen. And also, um, we're talking about releasing our own products here pretty soon. So um, be on the lookout for that. Um, and hopefully, would be 
title sponsoring myself in the next you know couple of years to come if if, if it all works out what, um, what are the products based so, around like you don't have to get into like I can't say. okay okay i wasn't sure I can't okay say. i got you it's gonna it's gonna be involving the drift wizard though i can tell That's you that fantastic but uh so sign me um, up I'm, yeah I'm with with sort of yeah with sort of the branding that we've created with that i feel like and then going into pro one we're in a good opportunity to uh to sort of drop something and, and make waves good. so um good yeah. I, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, an yeah. interesting I feel like a lot of drivers immediately try and go out and, and just get a check. And it's like, well, that's the hardest thing to do. Like in the sponsorship mm-hmm. world, the hardest thing to do is to talk to somebody and they write you a check and go, here you mm-hmm. go. Like yeah. that very rarely happens, all things considered. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah. like, okay, well, we're going to you know directly pay for this thing. Instead of you paying for flights, mm-hmm. we'll write those off mm-hmm. for you or – we're going to cover all your, you know, we're going to give you a, a company visa and you use that for all your food or something like that. So like, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to hear that you're trying to find a different approach to doing this and, and self-marketing is like, I mean, it's betting on yourself, right? Which is. Yeah. I mean, we have eight rounds to, to stand outside your trailer and sell stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity to get out to crowds and get your name out there and um, advertise on a national scale that most businesses don't really get a chance to do especially right off the bat, yeah. you know? So, yeah, you're starting um, off with one of the yeah. most attended rounds right off, like, day one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, look for our uh, Drift Wizard things, mystery products coming soon. Sick! <laughs> I mean, yeah, keep me in the loop. I mean, if you yeah. want to talk offline, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely very interested. I want to drop it, like, right the right way so I'm, I'm not, you yeah. know, putting any... Uh, putting anything out there. Oh, we should delay this then. Know. But anyways, it's fine. We can, we yeah. can, hey, we, no, we it's good. It's good. I, I, I can be f- when, when they're, when it's ready, I want, I want people to be, be able to buy it when I, when yeah. I announce, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah. Keep um, me in the, yeah. keep me in the loop. I mean, uh, I mean, this is, we can talk after, after yeah. about it. I'll tell you afterwards. I just want to announce it, you know, <laughs> well, here to for, the world. For anybody listening know? or watching, like just go yeah. follow, follow Andy's socials. Like I'll, I'll leave yeah. them as a link. Like yeah. if you, if you're interested in what this is going to be, cause I'm super curious. Um, just go follow him there. You know, that actually might help us if we do the, what is it? Yeah, I know. It's what is good. the Drift Wizard hey, drop? Listen, this, is, this is some good marketing already. Marketing's my background, <laughs> man. Like this alone, just just getting people on their toes and, and going like, yeah. what the hell is he about yeah. to do might be enough for you. So yeah. no, that's yeah. good. That's that's really smart. Like do you, Very so cool. I guess you're like the first guy I've chatted with on the podcast that's like actively planning for that jump to pro. Do you have a, you don't have mm-hmm. to tell me what it is, but like, are you looking at the situation going like, okay, I know I need X amount of dollars to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Like, is that how you've started this whole situation off? Um, no, I'm looking at it more so as um, if we can move to a, a tire sponsor to where we're not paying for tires like we are in prospect that eliminates a huge chunk of it. Um, we have two home rounds, so it eliminates a big chunk of travel time for us. Fair. Okay. Um, it's, it's financially not going to be an extremely different number. I don't think, especially if we get, um, some help here and there and, uh, I'm working on, you know, title sponsors. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll be, we'll be, uh, representing somebody here at Long Beach um, and then in years to come, hopefully representing our own products as out there as well. Cause I don't think the, the first year we're not going to be able to, yeah. especially investing in our own products and getting all that out to market. Um, on top of running the racing thing, we, we're definitely going to need financial help this year for sure. Yeah. Cause, um, cause re- but uh, I mean, realistically, like on the, 
bottom end of things, having two home rounds is, could save you forty thousand dollars. Like between, uh, yeah, it'll save quite a bit. Uh, not quite that much because a lot of my crew is not from around here, uh, so I'm still flying in okay. the majority of my crew. Yeah, like you know, uh, Curtis is from Atlanta. Yeah. My, my spotters from Atlanta. My other crew guys from Kentucky. You're still, um, you're still I, twenty grand in savings. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll still be a huge chunk that, um, you know, we can just sort of party write Andy's off. Rather That's than what I'm hearing here is party yeah, exactly. place. Yeah, come on over. I might. I'm party at my shop, party at the shop. I'm, I'm down. Party wherever. I mean, you've got, if you've got yeah. a barbecue, I'm happy to cook for everybody, so. I have a couple barbecues. Hey, yeah. Now we're talking. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good, man. I mean, I'm, I'm like, legitimately proud of you as, as somebody who's known you. Although we've, you, we've never... Not that we're like super close or anything else. It's just been one of those mm-hmm. like we've always been around each other since like 2018. Yeah. It's there's always been that like yeah. oh yeah. I know you you know me. Um, mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. sick, dude. I'm I'm stoked, and I know you have enough drive now, and you figured it out enough now that like pro pro is a huge jump, regardless. And and I think you're aware of yeah. that. But I don't yeah I don't think you'll go out and embarrass yourself. Is is I think the best way to put it. I mean, even if we do. <laughs> I still want to make it a win for us in the end, as far as right. um, as far as exposure goes, and helping out our sponsors, and uh, pushing our own products, and um, just getting getting ourselves out there. Um, and uh, I mean, this is the embarrassment. I think just comes with it. You're going to be embarrassed at at least one round. That's I think that's almost point. impossible to get done. I know it's just. Uh, I mean, even people. Sometimes you you don't perform your best. Sometimes uh, you have a bad day. Um, and that happens and uh you know you got to pick up the pieces and come back and, and hit it harder next time yeah and that's the only way to approach it um yeah, even people that are to close to a championship dis- have embarrassed themselves i mean it's yeah it happens. yeah yeah don't be discouraged it's it's just you know i like i learned that from skateboarding like i said earlier you know i used to make a fool of myself in front of all sorts of people back in the late 90s mm-hmm. when skateboarding wasn't this uh this golden opportunity like you look at niger houston driving around in a lambo and stuff like that yeah. you know there was skateboarding was not like it was and that was my focus of my life so i mean i'm, I'm used to doing dumb stuff that i love basically you know and uh, and not caring what other people think yeah so of all the tracks that fd no longer goes to which which mm-hmm. track should they bring back hmm Sonoma was awesome. I'd just like to see them on the Summer Jam course instead of the old FD. Yeah, course. that'd be sick. Like they were planning on doing in 2020. Yeah, that'd be sick. I was really looking forward to yeah, that. Three um, rounds that, in your back section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But then just just that section of track is just amazing. I mean, you initiate and the car unloads, goes down the hill. It loads up again as you're coming up the hill. And then it unloads again as you go over the hill. And then it compresses again as you come and you transition yeah. again. And then you swing over swing back and you could just throw the biggest angle into that final corner and the final corner always feels like you're going to fall off the edge into the grass and then you kind of crest down and it finds grip again and um great track for uh, spectator wise um yeah. weather wise it'd probably be awesome um the the surrounding uh, area is awesome kind of a lot like salt lake city um it's a phenomenal track. And also, I mean, just the crowd up there, there's a lot of drifters up there. I mean, they throw, I mean, Winter Jam every year is the biggest drift event in the world. They had, I mean, a couple of years back, it was 300 and something registered drivers. I know they had around 400 last Jesus. year. Um, well, and they run and like three tracks, don't they? 
I think it's six. Is it yeah. six total layout? Holy shit. I think, uh, well, I think they're down to five. I don't know if they run the flying S's anymore. The flying S's really didn't get used that much. But um, but yeah, they have the main track down um, on the, the main straightaway. They have the peanut course. They have the summer jam course. They have the uh, the FD track. Damn, I got to make my way out to yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing <laughs> event. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. Never, yeah, I haven't done that. I haven't done nearly enough, like, you know, California-based drifting stuff. I'm a, I'm an East Coaster, so. Well, do it. Curtis keeps telling me he's going to come out to it, too, so. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm, Bring all you boys out. I got out. Uh, Grid Life Laguna coming up, so that's my that's my first big taste. That'll be. I'm going to try and make it to that. I hit them up about that to see if they got a spot for me, and I haven't heard back. But, uh, I, mean, I know they've sent out a couple of invites. I think it's, like, the the big swingers to start, and then they'll fill those spots in and then yeah, start part, to fill. Yeah, well, partners of the, of the actual yeah, event, yeah, too, exactly. obviously. You know, you want to get no, your, I'm not your saying you're not, like, there, you know, but, hot stuff or anything, but, like... Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not good enough. <laughs> I'm definitely not. You know, they, should, uh, they should wash out for me. should watch out for yeah. me. Yeah, Black Flag every time. Uh, Black Flag yeah. Andy Haley. Haley. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I've been driving that track since, like, Gran Turismo when I was, like, 13 years old, you know? And so I, I just, it's one of those tracks that I'm definitely connected to as far as uh, as far as just, you know... Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, that's 20 years I've been cutting laps on that track in The Sims. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. Yeah. I, I still think you are one of the probably most dedicated sim drifters that we've got right now. Like, I don't know of many other um, people that put in the amount of laps that you put in. And that's that hasn't changed, really. I mean, I've been doing that for a really long time, ever since I was on Forza Gran Turismo, you know, way back in the day, even, you know, before I was doing all this drifting stuff. It's just something I've always done a lot of. It's something that, you know, I love driving. I love drifting. And uh, if I don't do that, I'm just not a happy man. I, you know, it's part of, you know, it's like some people need to work out or whatever to, to not to get rid of their demons or whatever. I need to go drive mm. or I will tear somebody apart on the 405 when I'm sitting <laughs> in traffic or something like that. Like I need to go let loose and just have fun. It used to be up in the canyons back in the day, you know, I'd go up there once or twice a week and, uh, you know, go have some fun. And, um, now it's just about every night on the sim, you know, I'm on there for an hour or two, just having fun either. And, in, in, you know, the VDC cars doing, you know, trying to better my professional skills. A lot of times I'm in, you know, the 80 horsepower WDTS Corolla that, that's super slow that yeah. um, where you're you have to really, really try and really do all the right things and maintain your line to be able to follow someone closely or do a good lap. And um i feel like it's important to practice in those kind of things because it just it forces you to drive a lot harder than you thought you should and i think with you know the cars that have so much power and this and that you get to rely on things other than momentum when you should be realistically relying on momentum and that's what makes things look really really good is when you come in hot and you know you look at that car and you go oh, holy shit he's gonna go flying off track yeah. and then catch you see him dab the brakes and you see him pour on the angle and then he's just right on the line on the outside um, that kind of thing is always more impressive than someone slowing down way before that corner and just throttling into the outside. Yeah, zone. that's fair. Um, so yeah. And that's, that's really prevalent at tracks like Irwindale, you know, when you see someone coming really hot into the inner bank, you know, like Peter and Dean were in the Worth house cars back in the day. And you just, every time you're like, dude, they're going to wreck. And they I just, think, boom, just I think Peter breaks. did wreck once, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's always impressive to see, that part of it where you you know it catches your eyes and you're like they're gonna they're going in and they don't you know that's uh that's what's really impressive to me yeah what's what's your current sim rig setup right now 
Uh, right now, I'm on a uh, Fanatec uh, CSL 2.5. I've been talking to SimMagic. We're, we're going to get an Alpha Mini in there soon. Nice. Um, but yeah, I've been on that wheel for a lot of years with just the Fanatec handbrake. Um, and there's a little 3D printed adapter for that handbrake that converts it to a HAL sensor. So it's just a magnetic sensor instead of the um, potentiometer that's the twist that always breaks all yeah. the time. Yeah. So um, that haven't had any hand problems with the handbrake since then. And um, I'm on an old uh, wired VR setup that I got for building my buddy Cerrone a uh, sim setup. I built him a sim setup and he gave me the VR setup. And then I built another guy a sim setup and he gave me the PC. So like everything's kind of in hand me down for that um as far as you know i know how to weld and you guys got stuff that I want, so. <laughs> barter is the best way to do business man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, yeah ever since i got on a seto um it's been yeah just religious you know just get on there and drive as much as you can and uh practice all the tracks that that we have um and coming into salt lake coming into all these rounds you know except for uh, for st louis i didn't i didn't get any sim time in because we were on the road mm. But um, but yeah, I'm doing 500 to 1,000 laps on on every track. Um, usually separating it into um, getting my lead lap dialed. So I'll break the track up into sections. So like for instance, at Orlando, when I was practicing that, I would just do the run up and the bank. And if I get the run up and the bank and get myself into inner clip one, feeling comfortable. So um, get that to where I can do that literally every time. So I was doing the bank and then just sort of coming across the infield again, driving right to start, do the bank, drive oh, across okay. the infield, drive to start, just keep doing the bank, keep doing the bank. And then um, start linking that into the center section where I really wouldn't worry about my performance on the bank. I just wanted to have myself in the same position and same angle up on the wall and then really concentrate on the transition into outer zone uh, number two there. So timing on that, where am I pouring on my angle? Where am I looking? Um, where am I hitting the brakes? Um, am I using left foot? Am I am I using e-brake? You know, trying all these different things to figure out the best, most consistent inputs I can get to the car to come through that section and set me up into the outside zone. And then after that, I'm concentrating on, you know, not really thinking about that transition, but I'm either driving through the bank or not even drifting through the bank and just sort of kicking the car out and getting set up to where I can come through that outside zone, you know, perfectly, basically. Um, and then bringing all those three components together. And then I have a rule of thumb where if I can't do, uh, if I can't just hop on the sim, this is not, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna start my 10 laps now. This is like at the end of the day working, hop on the sim. If my first 10 laps aren't, you know, 75 point and above qualifying laps, I'm not ready. Mm, um, okay. So ideally I want 10 laps that are perfect, right? Yeah. But I mean, 10 laps with very minimal mistakes is what I'm talking about. So um, once I get to that point, I know that the muscle memory is there, the, the eye lines there, everything is there to where, you know, if something breaks or if anything happens and I just got to hop in the car and go, I can make it happen without any practice laps, without any warm up, without anything at all. Um, just hop in, helmet on throw down your lap. That's smart. Um, and we've had to do that before in the E30 yeah. quite a few yeah. times because we've missed a lot of practice. <laughs> so I got used to that, you know, um, but that's that's also easier with the intensity. Um, like my best laps in the E30 were a lot of times when, when we did miss practice and I was pissed off and tired and we're working on the car and I'm dirty and I throw my gear on, throw all the stuff on and like we barely make it to the line and I have no time to think. I just, the jitters are still there and I just go. And those always ended up being great laps for some reason. <laughs> because the intensity was there um, and uh, bringing that intensity out is, is difficult. Um, so it's a lot easier for you just to have 
your lap down to where, you know, you just don't need to think about it. You just go do what you're, what you've been doing on the sim for 500 laps in a row. You know, it's very simple and um, just makes it that much easier. I, I mean, to, uh, to figure it all out. Really, all we have to do is just get your socks wet and yeah, that intensity is going to come right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Those freaking guys. Oh, Nothing man. Andy hates more. I hate getting my socks with. <laughs> well, they out those guys with the Gatorades and the cooler. It's where it all started, right? So like the cooler would always be in the toy hauler, and they'd pull out the Gatorades and like you know like how the water sits behind the label on the Gatorade yeah. and it just leaks out all over the floor. And I'd come in and I'd pull my suit off, and this was always me. Thirty days, I'd be very upset because the car was obviously broken all the time, and I'd go to change my shoes and I'd just step in a big pile of water. I don't have any other spare socks. And I'm like, now nah, I got to put my shoes on. So I complain to the guy who the uh, hell got water all over the floor. And that was like a thing at like almost every event. So eventually we just put the coolers outside, <laughs> stop dealing with that. And uh, now it's been a continuing joke as to where they want to get my socks wet all the time. And sometimes they do it on purpose. I, I, I'm almost know, positive. They just do. the way it is. Um, I'm almost positive mm -hmm. that they, that they do. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, are you uh, are you still rocking the banjo these days? Are we gonna are we gonna hear anything? I am. I am. It's sitting right up here on the wall next to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still got my finger picks. Nice, right here in their special spot. There they are. Oh, sick! I I, I put these on. Come from a bluegrass too. family, so I'm I'm very familiar with the the finger picking. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can't play. Very I'm nice. terrible, but um, yeah. Yeah, both sides of my family. It's a weird, it's a very weird instrument because I play guitar for years and years and years. Yeah. And um, this one is so much more right hand dominant than left hand. Whereas the guitar, you're kind of just strumming and doing stuff and your left hand is, is doing all the picking and all the really intricate things. Whereas uh, banjo, your right hand is, you know, you're picking with three fingers. So your, your, your intricate, your intricacies are all happening with this hand. And then this hand, you're kind of just holding chords. And, yeah hitting notes and then your individual playing and all your fancy stuff is happening with the other hand. So it was a big transition to, to figure out. It's a lot more like, you know, doing the patting your head and rubbing your belly at the same time yeah. type thing than guitar. Um, definitely enjoy it. It's a, definitely a, a fun thing to, to play. And I kind of grew into the, the look for the band. I was going to say, so, it fits. You know, it's, it's, it's on brand. It's working yeah. out. Yeah. Have you, yeah. have you played with the mandolin at all or Dobro or anything else? No. No, I haven't. No, no. Yeah, that's next. I, I think I think a dobro if yeah. you could, if you can get into. I mean, it's another right hand intricate instrument. Obviously, it's a slide guitar, so okay. not a whole hell of a lot going on with the okay. left hand. So, yeah, yeah, I've seen mandolins quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. This one, I need to learn more songs. I still only know like four songs on this thing. So uh, as long as you can just, I think that's my as long goal as you can just with the da 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 da, you're good. Like that's yeah. Yeah. It's like ninety percent of bluegrass. <laughs> you're good. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I got most of the role, most of the rolls down, so the songs are pretty easy to learn once you get your right hand kind of yeah. doing what you once want. Once you get the to patterns do. down, uh, it's it's pretty yeah, pretty straightforward yeah, exactly. after that. Yeah, huh? Yeah, I I think you should just bring it out to more events, man. We've been talking about getting an FD jam band together. I took it. I was playing at St. Louis actually. I brought it oh, out. Nice. We were playing. I was playing in the hot pits for a minute. Yeah, yeah, the, right behind Curtis. I think he was not. Pat plays it. drums, and then Sopa plays guitar. Yeah. Somebody plays bass. I used to do vocals. We get you on the banjo. We got a band here, man. We can do this. Dude, we're going to start a bluegrass, man. FD bluegrass. I'm totally down. Like, bluegrass is... We'll do it up on the podium after the round's over. <laughs> bluegrass is just country punk. That's all it is. It's 2-4 yeah, time. Pretty much, It's yeah. all about, you yeah. know, just leave leave yeah. me alone. Let me do what I want to do. Like, bluegrass yeah. and punk aren't that different, so... 
You're right about that one. Yeah, too. I, yeah. I, I think it needs to happen. We'll uh, we'll get mm. the band together. It'll be like a Sunday morning I'm thing. Just everybody gets together, have a jam session. I'm way down <laughs> to that. We'll do it in my trailer. We'll oh, that'd be sick. That actually, that would be yeah. kind of cool. Uh, uh, so any uh, any plans now that you know off season is officially upon you? Kind of. Um, get get ready for SEMA. Um, trying to get my E30 ready for Winter Jam. I want to uh, let my crew chief drive it there. You can bug me about that. Curtis has been bugging me a whole lot, so gonna try and get that thing together for that. Um, and uh, PRI holidays. Nice. This whole section of the year goes really quick, and then all of a sudden it's January. Yeah. Um, my birthday's coming up in October. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna flow really quickly until until the uh, beginning of the year. And um, yeah, I got a lot of stuff to work on. So, are you gonna make any yeah, major setup changes to the car for a pro? Um, no, not really. I mean, raise the ride height in the back so we can fit the big tire and um, just sort of see how it does. Uh, oh, we're going to throw the uh, the larger magnets and supercharger on there. We've been running the 2300 for years now. Yeah. And uh, we're going to step it up to the 2700 so that uh, we can make, you know, around the thousand horsepower range, 900,000, somewhere in there. Okay. We've been running about 750 for a long time now, and uh, it's been fine with the ProSpec tire, but um, I believe we're going to want to step it up for for pro especially on the larger tracks um i feel like long beach you know you'd obviously be fine you know jersey you'd obviously be fine with that 700 horsepower range yeah. but uh you know when you're talking Irwindale on 295 at you know 10 psi or whatever yeah you need some power there yeah so uh yeah we're gonna up that throw the new magnuson charger on there big tire and um see how she does Sick. I, I, was, I was gonna ask what size tire you'd be going for but 295 makes sense 295, 285, I'm not quite sure yet. We haven't um, got any, you know, concrete deals with what tire we're going to be running. So um, until then, it's kind of, yeah. who knows? I've heard, I've heard some rumors yeah. for, for next year and, and tires and things. Like, I mean, I can't get into it here, but there's mm-hmm. been some interesting things seen and talked yeah. about. So I'm yeah. pretty. Oh, hi. There's my roommate. Oh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Shouts out to Andy's roommate. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, I, yeah. There's nothing solid yet. I've heard some things too, so yeah. we'll see what deals happen and what goes down. Um, either way, um, you know, just gonna go out there and have some fun, whatever tire we're on. I'm just trying to get the rumor mill going. That's it. It's just now. Yeah. Now it's yeah, now yeah. it's a game to me. Like, how much can I get people to? Yeah, we're we're bringing back Cooper tires. Oh my god, I've, <laughs> I've got Cooper tires on my car right now, actually. <laughs> oh, they're, I mean, they're great tires for daily yeah. stuff, but man, they never work for drift. No, no, there's been a bunch of not great tires over the years. Yeah, yeah. we're pretty yeah, just making sure Gonzo's okay. There how, how is Gonzo doing? He's been on the porch all day just sleeping. He's having a great time being at home again. <laughs> ah, that's good. That, that dog yeah. goes everywhere. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, well while perusing your social media, I found some some puppy photos, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah. It's so crazy yeah, to think he was five like five and a half pounds yeah. when I got him. He's like the size of your right foot next to me. I got puppy photos over there, but yeah, he was uh, oh yay big, yeah, yeah little little fuzz, fuzz ball, yeah. a little bigger now. Yeah, ninety five pounds. Yeah, that's it yeah. though. I f- yeah yeah he's a lot of uh, fluff. Yeah uh, yeah yeah that yeah. that will do it. I mean he definitely yeah, looks he gets bigger wet and <laughs> looks like a drum rat when he gets wet. <laughs> I want to see so this now. I, I say yeah that. yeah. He did some swimming at Lake Lanier when we were in Atlanta. He had a great time. Oh. Spent like two hours just 
putting around like a freaking alligator in the lake. <laughs> yeah. I could Cruising see around. with enough fur out to either side to look like a raft. Yeah. 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 yeah pretty much. Yeah. 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 Just sort of the head up exposed. Just I, I've got around. a lab retriever and he's the same way. And it's like just, mm-hmm. you know, like body of a lab, but then all the hair of the retriever. So when he swims, it's the same thing. He looks mm-hmm. like like two and a half feet wider than he actually is. <laughs> but uh, that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm stoked, man. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad this is all working out. I mean, it's it's been cool to watch the progression. Um, I mean, realistically, it all started with that crazy livery on the E30. I think that was the turning point where you stopped. You know, if I can speak French here, where you truly stopped giving mm-hmm. a fuck and and just wanted to drive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's yeah. Just um, I mean, that's always been the goal. It's just. Uh, I just, I don't want to say I lost focus on that, but I, I just spent too much time trying to make that car work when, um, yeah. I mean, also like, I didn't know that I was that good of a driver, Mm. you know, until I really hopped in that S14 in 2021. And I was like, I can place this King wherever I want to. And I've never driven it before. And this is easier to drive than my E30 and all these things. And that's what at the point where I was like really looking forward to the 46 and saying like, Hey, like we got to get this done like now, because yeah. I know I can do it. I just need a better car. Um, and I mean, when you drive the same car for seven years and you suck for seven years, you know, you're not going to have confidence in that high of confidence, in your driving abilities. Um, but um, coming out, you know, this year in, in second, last year and third, um, it, yeah. I can drive that thing. I just need to, I can drive. I just need a good car basically is, is what it came down to, you know, and that was always in the back of your head, you know, but you don't want to come out and say that all the time and, and, you know, and then not perform when it does happen, you know? So, um, yeah. And, and then confidence in building a good car as well. I mean, I built the E30 myself. I built this E46 myself. Um, you know, it was, it's wholeheartedly up to me what happens out on that yeah. track. You know, if the car doesn't work, that's my fault. If I don't work, that's my fault. If the team doesn't work, I didn't hire the right people. You yeah. know, um, and uh, it's it's a lot to make work, and a lot um, a lot of factors and a lot of decisions that you have to make the right ones and put the money in the right places and put the time in the right places um, to come out where we came out. You know. Um, we didn't, we didn't have a car built for us. We didn't have a car set up for us. Um, we didn't um, have a program set up for us. I don't have a marketing manager. I don't have a media guy. I don't have a rig driver. I don't have any of these things. I do it all myself. Yeah. And um, to do it all yourself and still be able to come out um, where I came out just tells me that at least I'm doing some of those jobs right, you know? Yeah, um, I, mean, I definitely agree. I mean, it's it's, I think it's sobering for people listening to know that, that like at the end of the day, like yeah, you can, do yeah, it. you can, you can still do it. Like you can do it. You can build your own car in your own space with your own welder and your own tools yeah. and you, the tubes that you bought to build that car with and, you know, put all the effort into it and um, connect with people that, that, um, and, and companies that are, that are um, happy to see you doing what you're doing and help you out along that path. And, um, you know, you yeah. you just have to not give up on it and, and really get out there and improve yourself and believe in yourself and uh, and 
not suck too. Well, you know? <laughs> I think we, I think it's, <laughs> like, I think it's super easy to focus in on these really cool stories of these young, like a Jay, right? Mm-hmm. Jay comes in, young kid, and just mm-hmm. crushes right off the bat. And mm-hmm. we forget a lot about like you, Human, Kelsey, who have been grinding mm-hmm. for years to get to where you're at now and have come, you know, Kelsey came yeah. like two points away from getting her pro license at one point. And like Human, mm-hmm. you know, bins his car in, in Utah, completely destroys his car in Utah, gets back out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't we don't talk about that enough. We don't we don't talk about the attrition no. of this sport enough. Yeah, and again, like uh, just where you end up is so dependent on the car. And um, I'm fortunate that I spent so many years with such a turd of a car that I learned everything that broke. <laughs> I learned everything that it needed. Yeah. You know, every every little misstep, all the complaints from Curtis saying you should have done this differently, blah 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 blah. You know, all that stuff was all just echoing inside my head as I'm building this E46 right. and. Um, and just building it right, building it serviceable, making sure there's enough room to get to things and, and get stuff done. And um, all that kind of led up to where we are now, as well as the religious time on the sim and um, and just focusing on my driving, as well as focusing on on the building of the car and the program and, and making the right chess games, and the, putting myself in the right mental space. It's all cumulative and unless you're willing to put in those years and years of effort you know um you you gotta you gotta work towards that for everything to work out and um and i think that like the younger drivers are coming into it they're learning that so fast that it's almost overwhelming they they have the collective knowledge of everybody that came before them Mm -hmm. i mean that's the difference right like like and this is once again this is nothing taking away from like a jay or i mean brandon Sorensen was the was the one before jay really Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you know they have the collective knowledge of you have if you want to take it way back you got pat Pat, yeah exactly pat mordon uh (laughs) i mean james dean when he first came into fd like we've we've had Mm -hmm. these young gun success stories forever and we'll always have them Mm -hmm. like it's like and once again, I'm really not trying to take anything away from those guys, but like three, four years from now, Jay is going to be a veteran, and there'll be another mm-hmm. 15 year old that, or 14 year old or 13 year old that comes mm-hmm. into the sport and crushes. That's yeah. just that's just yeah. what happens. And by that time, Jay, Jay's going to have the knowledge too to to play the chess game exactly. better, to select you know all those things better. He's going to be you know he's and he's a smart kid. Oh, I've talked to that kid quite a bit. Kid. You know, after top thirty two and stuff like that, came up, congratulated me. I mean, went excellent yeah. kid, great head on his shoulders. He'll do well. Um, he's got a great car. Yeah, he's going to do yeah. great. Um, and uh, yeah, I think with the experience that he's going to have at such a young age, you know, what he's how old now? Sixteen. I think I think 15? he just turned sixteen. Yeah. Just turned 16. So, you know, when he's 20, 21, this kid can be, you know, you know, really, really yeah. up there. You know, when you're talking about three, four years experience, especially at that young age, when when you're, so to speak, such a sponge. Words out of my ready mouth, for man. information. Yeah, that's exactly know? what I was going to say. You know, um, yeah. And that's that's just how you are at that age. Because when I was that age, I was skateboarding, you know, and I loved skateboarding. I would I had skateboarding photos all over my walls. I lived yeah. it. It was my entire life. So. If that if that kid decides to make drifting his life at that young an age, like you and he's already got skill, you can see that, you know. So yeah. um, you know, he's uh, he's gonna be unstoppable, you know. Yeah, it's just like like I said, I don't I don't ever want to take anything away from from those, you know, prodigies mm-hmm. or or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. But it's just it's mm-hmm. so it's so easy to focus on that as a highlight. And it's it it's I, I do think we 
unfortunately forget about the guys that have put in the attrition over the years and and like that's that's why hey, i was stoked I'm, to do this I'm, I'm jealous of him i would i would have much rather not I know, do all this I know. work and just drive a really nice 100 i mean that's <laughs> it's a lot of work man it's we, nuts. i mean we're talking the last you know 10 years just you know 15 years just uh, you know it's grinding engines out engines <laughs> in transmissions out transmissions in moving 50 tires in and out of the truck all the time toolbox in and out it's, it's hard. you know it's a grind. It really is. Um, and uh, you got to be a little crazy or getting paid very well to do it. And uh, I think it's just the crazy I, part. I was going to say, you are a man that wears a cone on his head. Yeah. So I know which one that is. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's, that's uh, pretty easy to tell. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's good, man. I mean, it's, it's cool to see. Um, I don't know. I, I feel... I personally feel like really attached to the guys that I that were around when I started in FD, um, Dustin mm-hmm. Miles, Jeff Donati, like, I mean, all these guys, mm-hmm. like when I see them do well, it's cool because I feel like we've all grown up together, like in a way I like yeah. as much as I wasn't there yeah. every day. Like, I, I mean, I have to caveat the shit out of this because it's not like I was in the pits with them carrying tires and shit like that. But like knowing and seeing what those guys and girls were like when I started and then seeing where everybody's getting to now, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you met me before you could see any of my gray hair. Yeah, but. yeah, you had no gray hairs back then. Your hair wasn't <laughs> even that long. It was like to here. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, the beard was yeah. was like just barely a goatee. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I will say that like Jeff Donati, I don't think has aged a day. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, some other people too do. Andy Luck hasn't aged today either. I swear to God, yeah, he's, he's pretty much stayed. He's, I mean, he is timeless. That's for sure. That, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Say. I mean, every time I see him, I'm like, you know, he hasn't I, changed <laughs> since the early 2000s when I met you. You just always been that. Guy. I need to get him on the show, like a hundred percent. If nothing else, like for the for the the people outside of the FD group, to, mm-hmm. like to understand like what he is as a figure within within mm-hmm. drifting, but then also for the people yeah. within that group. Just to like sit on edge, waiting to see what he will say, because he's like the crazy uncle that your mom he hates. Is, you he know? is that is no, that's <laughs> the best way to put it. He's like he's the uncle who he's so who awesome. like would yeah. give you shit if he saw you screwing up, but also is gonna like give you a hug if you're doing something silly. Where he's like exactly. not on my exactly. watch, but like yeah. that's kind of cool, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And he, yeah. he only listens to the first yeah. hour of these episodes. So uh, we can okay. say whatever so we, we want here. No, no, there's yeah. been like two or three episodes now where we've said something about Andy and, and like I've been waiting for him. He hasn't said anything yeah, to you. Because he'll, he'll, he'll come up to me like at one of the events and be like, oh, you you talked about this thing on the show, Jacob. Like you should have done this. You should have done that. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it's mm-hmm. all great. It's actually all really good advice. Um, yeah. But then he said to me something. He's like, you got to cut it at an hour. I only listened for the first mm-hmm. hour. I'm like, really? Only the mm-hmm. first hour, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we're at an hour 25. We're, we're good. So we got, we're yeah, safe. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're safe in the free zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. I, 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 I'm very lucky that everybody at FD has been incredibly accommodating, even though I've been very mm-hmm. nosy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're good people there. Everybody's uh, focused on, on making that series better. Yeah. You know? And... Uh, that's yeah. the cool part. If they weren't there. We wouldn't be there. So I'm very thankful for, for everybody who's putting effort behind the scenes. It, I, I don't think they get enough thanks. I think, I think it's one of the things that, that people on the outside have missed and I never knew is that like 
almost every conversation you have with somebody at FD is about how to make FD better. Like, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not shitting on anything. Yeah. It's never like, oh, yeah. this is terrible. It's always like, hey, what if we did mm-hmm. this? Like, has anybody thought about mm-hmm. doing this thing? And like, some of it's insane. What if we brought Jake and him, Jacob into it now? <laughs> I mean, hey. That was good. You did a great you. job, man, by the way. It, it was, was excellent. Yeah, it, it was, was awesome. It was super scary. Like, very. Yeah, yeah it's nerve wracking, right? I did. I did announcing for Hot Pit the last round. Right. And it was, yeah, going into it the night before, I was just like, oh, "What am I going to say? Like, this is so different than the podcast. I can't edit it out if I say it's, something stupid. There's a whole crowd up there that can lynch me if I mess dude, something up. It's, you know? it's I a legit. Just come up there. You know? It's like I. I like every time I've announced now, I've like thought back about something I've said or almost said, and I'm like, oh, maybe somebody could misconstrue it as this thing or that thing. Like, yeah, it could yeah. be all over for me. Like, I. I yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, I think not being able to see the crowd helped because I was up in the booth above it and you can't really see all the people oh, that you're so talking like, to. It. So kind right? me and me and Jeff also started it. So before the other announcing guy, you know, me and Jeff started it. So we got in the role and it just felt like the podcast really. Yeah. And then, um, and then rolled in, you know, to the announcing from there. And then uh, I'm definitely not like the hype man, but I'm definitely very good at explaining, you know, what happens and, and, and where the mistakes were made and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the drivers appreciated it more than anything because I was able to sort of s- explain the mistakes that they were making out there, um, you know, and not say, well, they sucked here and they did terrible there and this yeah. and that. So, well, maybe this happened or maybe that happened. or you that, know, that was like, you know, it was just that uh, was like the biggest feedback that I got that, that people were happy about is just that I take took a really technical look at a lot of the situations. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wish I had like an answer to be like, yeah, this is going to be a full time thing, and I'm good. Everybody get used to me, but like, I don't, I don't actually. It know. better be. I don't, I don't actually know. There's been conversations. <laughs> I mean, there was conversations going on before that. Um, yeah, but it was like right place, right time. You know, it just worked out. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy. No, I think, I think you'd be a good, good addition, man. You got a lot of good knowledge about the sport, a lot of good knowledge of the drivers, and. uh you're doing a lot of research, you know, with, with the podcast stuff. So like, um, you know, your, your knowledge base is, is ever expanding with every show that you're doing here. And you've obviously been around it for years. So you, um, you know, a lot. And, um, if you could, you know, stay focused on that, I think you'd be a really great announcer because you're just entrenched in the drivers and the series and and all this stuff. You're, you're, uh, you're the one that's sitting here talking to us and, and knows all the facts and knows all the weird intricate stories about <laughs> I'm trying, all of us. Man. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it makes a, it makes it a great spot. Yeah, for you. I, um, I, I really appreciate because, yeah, that. That's, that's the fun part about it is, is also connecting with these people and then showing them that you're a real person. You know, I had a fan bring me a little Lego drift wizard out in, uh, out in Salt Lake oh, City, man. and um, you know, I, I talked to him for a good minute because I used to be obsessed with Legos when I was a kid. He's like, "Hey, I mean, it's really cool that you know, like, your shows that you're like a normal person. It's like we're all, we're all normal, normal dudes. people. We all love, yeah. yeah. We're all just you know, floating through this this on this rock in the universe, you know, trying to figure it all out. And uh, um, you know, it's it's nice to be able to connect with people on on, on different levels like that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you doing what you're doing. Thank too, you. Man. I, it uh, provides us some place to, you know, sort of let the fans know who we are and what we're about, aside from the short interviews or the or the content that gets, you know, put out on Instagram and stuff like it's that. It's tough. I mean, there's only, there's so many drivers and it's so hard to get the info out that, like, I, I 
I don't know. I'm, I still take all these situations as the super fan of the sport that I am, right? Like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. without the podcast, without announcing, without YouTube, without anything, I'm a huge fan of the sport. And I have been mm-hmm. for for 10 years. Like that's it's been. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if I've ever missed watching an event. I know I've missed like I I know I've missed a few live um, where I just like couldn't watch mm-hmm. it live, but I've I think I've watched every yeah. event, pro and pro spec, for the last ten years, and and I'm still trying to work my way through the backlog. Although some of the it gets a little scattered, you know, once you get into the early days. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. That's how that's how I try to present all of it. Is just from the eyes yeah, of somebody who's obsessed, right? Where's all the footage from the early days? Do they have like archives of that at, sh- at FD of like the old like G4 programming? G4 <laughs> so. Tech TV. Uh, I don't know. All that stuff. There's, like, I, I mean, I'm, I want to see like FD from like 07, 06. Like, I'd like to watch these videos again and sort of there, there's a f- just to see how far it's There's come. a fair bit on YouTube. You can use the Internet Archive for some of it. Some of it's still sitting on servers. Um, okay. I don't know if there's like a room that it all lives in. But there's FD be. have like the secret stash down in Long I mean, Beach of all, I've the, never all been the old to, tapes. I've never been to the head office. I probably will oh. this year uh, after Irwindale. Um yeah, but I would like to. I'd love to like have everything on a DVD, like every event that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really nice office. They have a fountain. They have like a, a nacho, you know, cheese dispensing, you know, fountain <laughs> thing there. You know, they have uh, jacuzzis. Listen, listen. There's wild. There's wild horses out front <laughs> in the past year. It's amazing. It's an amazing facility. The only reason, yeah. red wine on the tap. The only reason I yeah. know you're lying is because yeah. Ryan Sage is such a health nut. There's no way you would have cheese on tap. It would be like a wheatgrass fountain, and it would it would be like yeah. Yeah. Wheat kombucha grass. on tap. There's no way it would be nacho yeah. cheese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the horses and the red wine, maybe, but the rest of it, no yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. They got uh, hot air balloons that they fly to work in every yeah. day. You know, it's it's a really fine facility. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a really interesting place. Really highly recommend you check it's it out. It's as close to Willy Wonka as you're going to get. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. got to have fun at work. Meanwhile, it's, it's, you know, this like cubicle, one cubicle in an apartment building or something. <laughs> yeah, I think it's somewhere much, yeah. between. But yeah, uh, sick, man. Well, I'm I'm super stoked that we got to do this. Um, yeah, I, I know you're you're tired. I know I'm tired. It's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks and. I'm literally leaving for LZ Fest in the morning. So, oh, yeah, sweet. yeah, another another thing to do. Um, so I got to iron and press my hat so it's all proper for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you got like a little mannequin head you put it on? No, I do. Helmet, you know, get I all do the... have the original one that like blew up. It's framed. It's in like an actual, like a shadow box oh, yeah. on my wall. I'm one of, I, I'm weirdly... Nice. I don't know. I have, I have like weird, kind of weird stuff on my wall. Like at Road Atlanta, it's the first racetrack I've ever, I've ever driven was Road Atlanta, which is mm-hmm. the stupidest racetrack mm-hmm. to drive for the first time. I have a, I have a photo. Like an attractor you did it? I there, did it at Grid Life Road Atlanta. It's oh, okay. a long yeah. story. That's I wasn't a, supposed to be there. It's a big track. I kind of snuck in. I wasn't supposed to yeah. be driving, but I kind of made it on track anyways and just decided I was going to mm-hmm. go drift a car. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other story. Uh, I think Nick Swan is still yeah. mad at me for that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe one day mm-hmm. I'll I'll discuss how I managed to do that. 
Yeah. I think I broke some laws. But you said you're going to be at Laguna Seca for sure, though. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. I'm already, I'm already okay. booked in. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not driving, I'll still be there. I have to come up and, and check yeah. it out for sure. So, yeah, I hope. And, uh, my parents live up in Santa Barbara, so it's like kind of halfway between. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm booked in. I think, <laughs> I think I'm renting an RV to stay on site and. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Um, yeah, I don't, cool. I don't sound it, but yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I'm stoked for Irwindale. Stoked for SEMA. <laughs> booked all that shit. Like, nice. Yeah, yeah. My credit card is not super happy. Busy. But, it's gonna be busy. Yeah, Tell I think me. I'm booked next next couple months. I think I'm booked solid yeah. till Christmas. Like in all honesty, I don't think yeah. I have a free weekend till Christmas. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the life, well, though. We'll, we'll get some time yeah. in. Yeah, I'll see you at Grid Life. See you at Winter Jam. See you at Irwindale. Yeah, let me know about Winter Jam. I might. Yeah. I might. Hey, if you need an announcer. <laughs> don't make it a mic okay just come up it's it's amazing <laughs> I see what we yeah did it is. it's an experience i want to yeah i want to burnout competition last year was pretty i saw too. i saw some yeah. some youtube videos yeah. it got pretty wild yeah it was it was wild it, it just just it's rowdy yeah. up there that's all i can say is it is it brian that runs yeah. that uh Fruit Fruit. runs it okay yeah right. yeah 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 for i mean the racetrack technically runs it it is an event that is thrown by sonoma raceway okay. Um, but Farouk is kind of there, the, the guy who deals with, uh, <sighs> basically runs it. I yeah. might have to trade a podcast for, for, <laughs> for some tickets. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually really go. like to get Farouk on cause he's got some really interesting stories yeah. about his, he's had a crazy career path too. So yeah, no, Farouk is a, Farouk's yeah. wild man. And, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy for sure. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to pop in here or I'll get to go? Um, no, I think I think we covered it, man. Um, Sick. We plugged uh, my new mystery product. We plugged what the drift. Um, I'd like to thank Link ECU and get a, get NRG for uh, helping me out this year and, and helping me get stuff done on track. And uh, hopefully next year we'll be thanking a lot more people. I so I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, I can. I like. I'm very excited. Good. I'm very very excited about about driving at Long Beach. Last time I drove there was 2014. Jesus. And the goal is to been make it back. This the goal has always been to make it there. Yeah. You know? So ten years um, later. <clears throat> yeah. I cannot wait. As soon as they as soon as they spray paint my name on the ground, I'm getting a flag and I'm coming in and just boom right in the middle. <laughs> right in the asphalt. <laughs> this is my land. <laughs> the my land. I earned this, all right. So uh, yeah, I just I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to next year. Really, really looking forward same, to it. Yeah. Same. Sick. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening and or watching. Um, make sure to check out Andy's stuff. Go to go check out his Instagram. Put on notifications because mm -hmm. when these products are going to drop, um, I'm sure it's going to go mm -hmm. pretty quick. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, I do some some pretty good videos yes, too. You, if do. you can watch those if you like. <laughs> the as like well. never. Yeah, I do some some dumb. The stuff. never ending running yeah. just killed me. Dude, oh yeah, killed yeah. Me. If you, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, the the honey python yeah. one, yeah, and like such a throwback. <laughs> that one didn't do that Don't great care. retrospectively because I think like it were an older crowd because like not a lot of younger kids probably watched Holy the Grail. monkey python movies. Yeah. But man, like once I thought about that, I was like, oh dude, that's such a great <laughs> scene. We had that big grass field over there, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's. It's just so great. They cut back to the same scene um, of him, right? I, I did another one with them with the the uh, bring out your dead, oh, really? you know, with the throwing all the fiberglass parts into this <laughs> bin as I'm walking across the shop, and like I had like the dings down, so it was like boom, you know, with the soundtrack and everything, and I had to speed that up, I think, to like. I had the timing right in between the dings, but they were like oh. slightly off. So I sped it up to like 110 or something like that speed. And then it was just oh, that's spot so on. Good. Ding. Bring out your dead. Dung. 
bring out you did. And my buddy's just throwing pieces <laughs> of broken fiberglass into the freaking cart. Uh, we can do that again. I mean, I got plenty of broken body work at the end of this year. So good. We, might, we might see that one make a resurgence. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Sick. Well, yeah. thank you again, everybody, for listening, for watching. Please check out Andy's stuff and uh, catch you guys next week. Thank you, guys.